0: Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 165. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about a recent handgun training um, that was done in the daylight. We focused on transitions, and it was fucking cold and windy.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I think I think the uh, I I know that I got caught off guard. I think everybody else kind of got caught off guard a little bit too. this This was the this was the second. Um, second winter or third winter in Ohio where you have like the second false or the first fall spring or the first spring and then the fall spring and then it comes back to haunt you because it actually gets cold. Yeah. So all day long this was a a week or so ago now but anyway um, this was one of those days where it was sunny and cold and windy all day and if you weren't out in it for a long period of time you didn't realize how cold it was. I showed up to the range and found out almost immediately that I was underdressed. So this is probably as much about clothing and catching up and being aware of your surroundings as it is about <laughs> running the drills and shooting yeah. and whatnot. Um, everybody by the end of the night was was pretty chilly. Had some guys uh, running some cool toys that we'll talk a little bit about too. Uh, this will be our, we should have these on Amazon so we can make money off of them when you go to Amazon and link from our podcast. But we probably won't because we don't know how, I don't know how to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, th- this this ended up being a a, uh, a handgun night where we did some drills we've done previously and some that we hadn't. Um, but but the push I think really ended up being as as much about like I said, as much about the gear again um, as it is, and about preparation as it should be, uh, being yeah. being ready for what you're doing. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, it started out doing wide transitions, so from
0: about ten yards apart, uh, a backer at call it at ninety degrees. Yeah. Um, two pieces of steel, a quarter size ipsic, and then a, what, an 8-inch circle? Yeah, 6 or 8-inch circle. Yeah, circles. I think, Something actually, like I think that. it's only
1: a 6 on that one.
0: <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Um, kind of at the 45 degrees, and then um, another backer at the 90 degrees. Yeah. Uh, so, doing some big, bigger transitions than what we would normally do. Uh, yeah. But working through that, ran through that a number of times. Um, then did the distance change-up drill a um, no, number of times, so... Two targets, about a target width apart at seven yards, uh-huh. and then we put that six-inch steel plate at 15.
1: Yeah, maybe even a us further than that, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: the idea is, you know, either shoot both of the close ones and then hit the steel plate. Or change it up. Or change yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, did that a bunch of different ways, uh, including some times... Um, not facing directly to the target when he started. Yeah, having to rotate uh, 90 degrees or 180 degrees from uprange or whatever. Yeah, yeah. did a bunch of that. Um, did half of the accelerator drill. So, targets at 7, 15, and 25. Um, basically right next to each other laterally, but stacked distance-wise quite a bit. And then we finished out playing with uh, Mike Pannon's new figure-eight walk-around-the-barrels until somebody tells you to go, yeah, and then you're oriented in a direction typically not at the target, but you need to draw and engage the uh, quarter-sized steel target, uh, kind of on demand. Yeah, so did had some fun with that.
1: Yeah, and I and and, and that you know we can come, when we come back to that we'll talk about that because that, that's that's not a new idea, but it's something that application of, um, not being where you're supposed to be, not having your feet pointed because like you you had mentioned before we started that that we do so much facing downrange, ready to go. You know, everybody's the shooters on the line. Is the, is the right line ready on the left? Is the line yeah. ready? You know, the, the whole that type of stuff. This was nice to be a little more mobile before it started and have to react to whatever, wherever you were, whatever you were. So, yeah, we'll talk more about that. So, for yeah. sure.
0: Also, on the wide on the transitions and on accelerator, uh, the focus was kind of on as soon as somebody stepped up to the line, they got to go. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, sit there and think about getting ready. like D- you, Digging you into the dig batter's deep. box. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you were there, you were, yeah. you were going to go.
1: Yeah. Um, Guys, there, there, and you, you pulled the idea and there was, there was some, there was some impetus behind doing this from something that you saw or you watched here fairly recently Um, around the transitions. There was, was there a video that you watched or something like that? Uh, I had, Joined um, the practical shooting training group, the
0: full like paid membership to okay. the training group, and one of the X Ray Alpha classes. They did a bunch of these drills.
1: Okay, so and and I had recently, uh, curiously enough, I had recently watched a, a Matt a video, um, like on IG or something like that, that popped up on my feed, and and he t- and he does and he breaks down the lack of necessity for speed starting out doing the visual transition aspect of things, where you think about having the gun up and you basically move your eyes to a different object within your space and then you move the gun to it and doing it in a slow and controlled fashion, not being overly tense, not being locked up, but being controlled enough that when you get there, the gun stops where you want it to stop in line with your in line with your eyeball, your sights in line with your eyeballs um, and stuff like that and not overrunning it. And that's always been something I see people do when they try and go fast, they get tense and they turret, but they turret past whatever it is. If you look at the turret and tracking Watch an old World War II movie or old World War II II tank footage, and you'll see a tank gun traverse past and then back to whatever it wants to shoot at. If you watch a new Abrams, it's electronic, baby. She don't go past nothing. She goes straight to it. Um, It's that trying to be efficient, trying to be smooth, trying to not be locked up so tight that you're you're creating extra stress within the system, the system being your body, your brain, your eyes, Um, and being relaxed enough and confident and practiced enough that when you move your eyes to a different threat or a different target, that the gun then comes in line with that without a lot of extra effort, movement, but does it with alacrity. Starting that off, doing it slowly, moving from object to object, and then transitioning to speeding it up under dry fire, even without the shot necessarily. I had done that a little bit, and I still found myself trying to go fast because the guys are watching and over swung some stuff and then settled into it but the progression mattered doing that and then going to near targets because i think it made the near target transitions faster
0: yeah uh, a lot of the other trick to this is being target focused yep uh, so that you're bringing your eyes are always focused on the target and then you bring your gun in line with what you're looking at versus being you know that hard front sight focus yeah and then trying to track the front sight to the target or which inevitably ends up can well, we past the target and then having to come back. It's
1: almost impossible anyway, because if you're if you're talking about threats, you're going to look at the threat. You're going to look and see what the next threat is. If you're waiting for the gun to get there, you're not taking in visual input that you might have needed before you got the gun on the target. Yeah. So there is a big aspect of being threat-focused, target-focused, etc., and then being able to maintain, um, you know, that, that confirmation one or confirmation two where everything's not perfect with the front sight um, – but good enough that when you get there, you can do work immediately kind yeah, of thing. especially
0: on the closer targets. Yep,
1: exactly. It's, yeah, especially on the closer targets. So, yep. yeah, on the further targets, you may have to go all the way to that confirmation three, and that's fine, but if your eyes are there first and you're used to seeing the gun come into your vision, I think it just tracked better, um, and that came into play a lot. I, and when I say near transitions, I don't mean near targets. I mean the transitions were closer together. Yep. It seemed like it, it. everybody was a little bit quicker on those yep. at that point. So, yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll say that running a an optic on the pistol makes this all a lot easier that's cheating yeah
1: totally it's absolutely cheating. cheating it's absolutely cheating yeah I mean there's no there's no two ways about being able to maintain target focus even if you're going with that that confirmation too where you have some visual awareness of where the front end of the gun is to some extent um, it, it, it you still have to find that peripherally in your sight versus there's the there's the target there's the dot boom have a nice day right. um you know and and I, I will say that you know, you talked a little bit about the the movement aspect, um, the turret aspect, where you're using the ability to drop your weight onto one near the other to pivot and maintaining the turret, the isosceles turret at the top end, not just pivoting from the waist, but also using the knees for that wide pivot too. Um, and I think once you get the idea of that, of maintaining that, like not like a second baseman or a shortstop's pose, But feet shoulder width apart, but then the ability to drop onto that knee, bend that knee and flex and go in whatever direction. Keeps the hips aligned to the target. Yep, yep. And I think that you know that comes into play too with not over swinging because you're not creating all the tension in the top end of your body throughout your core, your abs, your torso. Um, You're letting the bottom end of your body, which is stronger, do a lot more of the work. So yeah, that was was good stuff. Yeah, that was a
0: technique I got from Mike Panone a number of years ago in a class.
1: Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. so we went from that what was the next after that, after the wide swing?
0: That was the is that accelerator or distance changeup? One of the two.
1: It was the two targets with the one in the middle.
0: The distance change up.
1: Okay, so we did distance change up next. Um, I, I really like the idea of doing the distance change up different ways. You know, just just every time you step to the line, somebody going, Hey, this time both near targets or near far near or turn ninety degrees or start facing up range, rotate and do whatever. Um, guys this is kind of this is part of the conversation about where we were talking about how cold it was guys ran into issues with their hands just being super damn cold um, a lot of guys started doing like, you know, jumping jacks or hopping around or started doing like, you know, just movement to keep the blood flowing and stuff like that. Uh, one of the guys had here's here's my here's my uh, my my only plug for Amazon. You'll probably ever hear um, a, a hand warmer from Amazon, a little electronic chargeable USB oh, rechargeable yeah. hand warmer. One of the guys had uh, brilliant little solution. Uh, a number of us keep small little chemical hand warmers in our vehicles or in our range bags or whatever. Every, I think pretty much everybody had broken those out and was using those. Yeah,
0: I did not. I should have.
1: Uh, I had some. You could have borrowed some so, or, or had some. Uh, but one of our guys had a had a little electronic, and and the curiosity was is that my wife had just gotten one of these. Um, she, who always has cold hands, uh, was given one by by her, by her mom. And uh brilliant little device. Uh, it gets more than hot. It's not something that like, oh, this is what I'm going to take out on an elk hunt but it was a pretty cool device to have at the range from a just purely snivel gear convenience standpoint. Um, It worked just fine. Yeah. Yeah, because what we were running into was a lot of this, if you don't get the right grip on the gun, if you're fighting with getting the right grip on the gun and doing tactile things properly as you should be in your draw stroke um, with really, really cold hands not having that index and then you having climber's hands having all the calluses and stuff like that – you know, you, you, you saw some issues with that. Yeah. So my
0: hands at this point, I've, I call them like brick layer hands or yep. they're climber yeah. hands. They're yeah. heavily calloused, especially on that first pad up from the, from the hand uh, yeah. on the fingers and then the second pad. And then several of my tips are, they're honestly just numb all the time. Yeah. I don't really have, makes typing in the morning really challenging.
1: Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> de- de- Yeah. The discal flangey pads are definitely chewed can't up. can't feel
0: the keys on a keyboard. Yeah. Uh and what happens when those they all get really cold and then dry, Yeah. Uh, even though I'm crushing down on the grip of the gun, yep. um, the gun actually wants to rotate or wants to yaw yeah. inside my grip. Uh, so I had a number of instances where the first shot seemed to go where it needed to, Yeah. and then the second shot was over probably six or eight inches to the right.
1: Which was really curious because that's like the last place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was,
0: yeah, it so trying to get, you know, when you're doing your dry fire and whatnot, get a good feel for what the gun is supposed to feel like when everything's perfect uh-huh. and then also be able to realize when it's not doing that so that you can correct it or notice, slow down just a little bit, make sure the gun is actually pointing exactly where we want it to before you send the second, third, fourth, yep. X shot, whatever. Yeah.
1: And I, and again, I think, a, you know, a big part of that is, you know, a lot of guys that are teaching, you know, the, the use of dot optics that are teaching, um, the, the visual confirmation aspect of, of sights, the confirmation one, two, and three, um, uh, teaching that mentality, a lot of that relies on getting a really, really solid, repeatable, consistent grip on the gun. Um, and that is something that, in my opinion, shooting a handgun, that's getting a consistent grip on the gun out of the holster is what will allow you to get to the first shot fast. Um, that is the biggest deal out there, getting the first shot fast. And then there's the visual aspect of not screwing up where your sight should be by pressing the trigger incorrectly. But if you're not locked onto the gun solidly, if everything's not pretty locked in tight, it's really hard to correct from there. Yeah. At least under speed, um, at a at a, I'm going to say not a professional level, but at a very highly competent level, that's a big part of the game. Um, and so that and definitely saw some guys with cold hands, lots of layers of clothes, fighting through lots of layers of clothes, um, and and working through those issues because we did run this. You were given the option to run from your war belt if you wanted to, but I think most of us didn't either didn't get the memo or didn't think it was that cold or didn't yeah. bother and showed up with our concealed gear on. And, and so you're fighting heavy clothing, multiple layers of clothing, etc., which is a great lesson, again, because it was pretty pure. It wasn't like you're showing up there in winter, we're going to do rifle stuff, and you transition to a handgun once. It was the whole night. Yep. So, good stuff. Um, the, I talked a little bit about the progression. Um, going from the wide transitions, wide target to wide target to wide target, once everybody calmed down and got, got smooth on the transitions and was dropping onto the target, not ever swinging and stuff like that, and kind of got used to running some of this stuff, adding a little bit of the surprise aspect to it on the near transitions, you'd calm down enough at that point that your near transitions were pretty solid. And some guys who were, who, you know, everybody in our group is usually pretty solid, but there are some guys that were even quicker than normal. Um, and very comfortable with where the gun was when they needed to pull the trigger, not swing and over swing and correct and then taking the shot. Yeah. And it was pretty cool to see that development, that progression. Yeah, so It was uh, something I noticed.
0: Yeah, the target transition <clears throat> stuff, um, it matters, especially if you're doing you know shooting sports like IPSC or yeah. IDPA or USPSA. Um, definitely something you want to kind of perfect in dry fire. Yeah. Um, because the visual tracking is, if you don't know how to do it, it takes a while to learn, and it takes even longer to really perfect.
1: And, t- and I think that ha- actually having the gun go bang in the middle of it slows you down. Yeah. Um, to some, I mean, obviously, they're under recoil, but also just the aspect of your burning ammo on things not being perfect, it's one of those things that you can definitely practice dry. Um, and, and, you know, the idea of like, oh, well, am I really going to get attacked by five guys at one time and have to burn through Maybe not, but the reality check is you'll be moving and the bad guy will be moving. Those are target transitions. If you're not where you were when you fired one shot to fire the next, you just transition so your gun's got to move. And if the bad guy's moving, that's a target transition too to the second shot. So be aware of that. You know, A lot of times we'll set up multiple target arrays and the idea is not that you're dealing, oh, I'm dealing with multiple threats. It's that the bad guy was here, now he's here, now he's here. Kind of that mentality and to be able to say, hey, this is not going to be a static environment it will be a very fluid environment yep. so adapt to it learn to train to it so yep. um on the anything else on that or
0: no
1: okay what, what was the either, other it. what was the next one we did that was like the targets were just offset Uh um, accelerator. the accelerator, linear, the accelerator. Or half accelerator yeah because we
0: didn't tip, we didn't come back the other way yeah
1: and and again another drill we've done a number of different times um adding in the surprise beep um adding in turning a little bit moving a little bit doing whatever i just think kind of it's just a really good thing Um, and something that we previously we've done a lot of drills getting back into handgun stuff where you built in a little bit of movement because we started off with a lot of those movement progressions Um, one of the things that I've I've read that keeps popping up in like the last six months and I know it's not a new topic at all um, but in the law enforcement world talking to guys who train police officers the idea that, you know, we joke with Opata, you know, our local training academy here for the state of Ohio. Pure that safety,
0: one step over, ab- or pure yeah, danger, yeah, one step yep, over, absolute yeah. safety.
1: Certain death, one step, absolute safety, right? Um, and, and we kind of joke about that, but there's this reality check that, that a lot of folks, a lot of professionals get trained. Um, it's very static. You're shooting out of a shooting stall. Um, For safety purposes, etc., there's not a lot of moving around with the gun. Yeah, there's 30 people on the line. You can't make any big dynamic movements off the X, as it were. Um, And I think the off the X thing um, maybe got seemed like people were treating it like it was becoming a little bit cliche. It's not. Um, When a fight starts, uh, I don't want to be where I don't want to be where it started. I want to be someplace else quickly. And so the idea of doing some of that, just a little bit of footwork to get used to moving. Is a really really good idea, and and I liked adding that into those drills. It was something I was going to ask if we could add into a lot of different things, just not necessarily starting from static, taking a step or two. Yeah. And then the last part took that even further. So um, on the accelerator, uh, we ran it backward, forward, a couple of different things. We ran it moving and stuff like that. Um, I think everybody was, shooting was pretty consistent at that point. Everybody at that point, I think everybody's hands were freaking cold. Yeah. Everybody was 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 pretty much like, okay, time to get. <laughs> yeah. Trying to that, get wings and
0: that, beer. Uh the at it yeah. became much more challenging yeah. than it probably needed to be.
1: Yeah. So um but nothing new there, just adding a little bit of a, a little bit of a change to it, a little bit of a degree of difficulty increase off the bat. So yeah. good stuff. Um and then was that did we go from that to the Pannone, the walk around the figure eight thing? Yep. Okay. So guys, the figure eight thing, um, I, I mentioned, you know, previously that this is not a new idea, you know. Every trainer in the world I've ever been to for a basic handgun class is going to put you in a position where you're either like, you're you're walking in linear toward a target around barrels, and at some point the beep goes off, or they say threat or gun or whatever, um, or you're doing exactly the same thing where you're walking in a big loop around a couple of barrels, and at some point they say threat, and you have to orient yourself and react to it, uh, or move to cover and react to it, whatever the case may be. Um, we, we actually it was curious to watch a number of our guys. If they were within a step or two of the cover after everything we'd done, just went ahead and took that step to cover and utilized it. If they weren't, um, if they were out in the open and the cover was far enough away that they weren't going to get to it anyway, they they turned Drew and made the hit, or multiple hits, as it turned out. Um, I think everybody was ready to go home at that point <laughs>
0: maybe <laughs> yeah probably. um
1: but again we're talking about what, what what distance are we even at 10 yards yeah 10 yards ish. T- 10 yards ish maybe a little further 12 yards. But either way um but you're walking in a figure eight around two target stands eight 10 yards apart or that far even that yeah,
0: something like that seven
1: yeah seven eight yards apart and you're just doing a figure eight around those target stands until some, until somebody calls threat and you've got to turn and orient toward the target and just make a hit quickly uh, with alacrity you know like it matters yep. um Everybody did a you know a pretty good job, actually, of skinning the smoke wagon and getting it out. Um, and I think everybody did a pretty good job of, of either choosing to take that step to get behind simulated cover or concealment um, or getting the gun out quick and making the shot quick, mostly from pretty good foot positions, where it's like, okay, as I'm drawing, I might as well turn and get squared up and get ready to go. Right. Um, not a lot of misses, not a lot of stupid, not a lot of, oh, shit, Um Couple times we were gauging somebody in conversation and then call threat just to see if you could draw them off, and there were a couple times where the guys like, but but I'm finishing my thought. Hang on, I'm in mid paragraph. <laughs> you know, and it was kind of funny to see those reactions, and that's always fun stuff to do too. Um, but yeah, the, I I liked adding in the movement aspect to it after all that coming back to the movement, especially when you had an opportunity to step to cover and utilize yeah. it. So, um, and 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 just just a good little quickie thing to add on to something at the end because you're still confirming your ability to hit a target quickly out of the holster, but you're adding the orientation aspect to it yet again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, good stuff. Um, did we mention it was cold? Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, hands, hands got cold. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I think we covered kind of covered the takeaways. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, If you haven't gotten outside
0: and trained with your pistol since the fall, yeah, um, take advantage of what should be nice weather coming up and get on that.
1: Get out and move, get out and move, get out and move. Um, you, you mentioned as well in a, in a recent article that you wrote some conversation around adjusting to seasonal clothing, um, differentials in clothing. We have sold uh, a lot of people who have traditionally carried XYZ gun, whatever it may be. And for me, like a G19, um, we have sold a bunch of people who ha- are serious about carrying, serious about training. A smaller gun like a G48, G43X, uh, or S6 365 C- B365XL, something like that, um, a lot of those guns have gone out the door over the winter. Um, if that is a new gun to you, get out and move around with it, get out and train with it, get out and get used to your new holster. It's going to ride a little different, yeah, sit a little find different. Find how you
0: grip it because it's yep. going to be different than your G19 or G17. Exactly.
1: This is, you know, right now is the time. As we sit here looking outside with the sunshine and maybe chasing 50-some degrees today, um, you know, it, the weather's broken a little bit. If you're, if you're one of those, if you're kind of a fair weather guy and you're not going to train when it's crappy out, uh, if, you know, to each his own, that's fine. But now's your opportunity to get out and run that new gun, though, and see what quirks, see what idiosyncrasies it has and you have, especially with whatever clothing, middling clothing, and changing between 70 degree days and 30 degree days here in Ohio. Um, get out and train with your gear, test your gear. Your gear is what you're wearing every day. So just be aware of that. And, and if you can, even if it's just dry fire, throwing that clothing on and doing the dry fire real quick for what you're going to wear for the day to get used to it with the new gun. Yeah. Definitely take advantage of that. Um, yeah, I would
0: say also you know steel challenge IDPA USPSA matches are all stuck out. Yep, um, go shoot one of those matches with your new gun. Yep, um, either in the in the proper category or just shoot you know production or the yeah SSP category or whatever. Well, or, or just or
1: just don't worry about your classification and just yeah. go shoot so that you can get the reps, get the movement, get the draw strokes, etc. Um, under the mind eraser and with friends watching you. So yeah, yeah it's a good time. You'll learn stuff uh, for sure. So. Yeah, guys, um, it is It is spring is springing. I won't say it's sprung, but spring is springing. And uh, we've got uh, a decent selection or a decent supply of 9mm practice ammo from Stand One Armory uh, that we've gotten in. It, it is dwindling because prices have gone potato again uh, on ammo. Uh, so we're burning through that right now. Um, we've got more coming, but unfortunately, if you, we probably won't see it until you hear this podcast or around the same time frame. Uh, but we should have more and at that point uh we've got uh you know good quality practice ammo though flowing both in five five six and a nine millimeter uh and some other calibers too so if you're in the area and you need the bullets you need to catch up prices are going to start climbing again i think with everything going on in ukraine and the weirdness in the world so uh if you can get ahead of it a little bit get ahead of it a little bit before summer because i think by the time summer rolls around it's going to be scarce and expensive yeah so yep so there's your psa
0: yeah cool um, as we come across drills and things like these, along with new inventory and whatnot at the store, uh, that gets posted to our social media. You can find us on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters and on Instagram as Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, we we'll also send out an email newsletter once a week. That goes out on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com. Also on the website, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. And then come visit us at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're here Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5. Um, We're in front of the Aldi's and directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Stop on Guy Thanks so much for tuning in.